Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 145 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Uremchuk and Coombsy with you to break down an ugly series against the New York Yankees. Coombsy, I was talking to our producer, Brandon, before this, and I was like, oh, man, it just sucks that they got worked by the Yankees. Then I was like, man, they didn't even get worked by the Yankees. They got worked by Aaron Judge in that series. Yeah, you kind of realize in this series just how much of a one-man team the Yankees kind of are right now. And I mean... I don't know. That that might be a little unfair to say because I think the pitching got the job done in that series for them and their team defense looked better than I remember it really ever being. But offensively, it's just it's Aaron Judge and that's it. That's that's the guy who's just dragging this team offensively through through everything. It's uh, it's it's pretty stunning to watch. Yeah, and especially like you go back to that first game and like they were resting guys. They they're missing pieces. They got players banged up like it was wildly annoying to watch the Jays not come away with a split from that series. And I think it honestly raises some like questions about this team. If you can't turn on the jets for a series like that, and at least win two of them, especially when they were close ball games as well. Like, I mean, in the finale, you lose four two. like if your bats are operating at some sort of an acceptable level, you're winning that baseball game. So anyways, uh, let's get into it. With three up, three down. And we're, we're obviously starting with the down because that was a <laughs> tough one. And in game one, dude, we're past the point of concern with Alec Manoa. That was another ugly one going into the game. I think our optimism was centered around like, hey, he does well against the Yankees. Like this will be maybe a nice point for him to turn his season around is go out, have his second straight good start against the Yankees. That is right. Because he pitched well against mm-hmm. Merlin here and like get things rolling in the right direction. I don't know what you do with him now. I don't either. What do you even say at this point? I guess it's 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 almost like what we went through last year when Jose Barrios had the terrible first start against Texas. And you're like, oh, maybe it's just the nerves. And then the bad starts just keep coming. I mean, for Manoa, it's only really been two good starts this season. And one of those starts, the one in Kansas City, you can't even really say it was a fantastic start because... So much of the positive result was the fact that that ballpark is so big and the wind was blowing and keeping the ball in the field. It easily could have turned out to be a shitty start. But the the unfortunate thing about Manoa and in this baseball game, his line was he only manages to go four innings, six hits, seven walks, three strikeouts. Just nowhere near the pitcher we, we saw coming up in 2021. Nowhere near the pitcher he was last year. 
it's um yeah it's a it's a weird one because there's nobody in AAA that's pitching well that you can call up and fill into that spot if you want to give them 10 days off, skip a couple starts with right arm shittiness. If you want to, you know, send them down to the pitching lab in Dunedin for a month, like what are you going to do? Call up Zach Thompson, who has like an eight ERA pitching in Buffalo. You're going to, you know, Mitch White is supposed to be their extra like sixth starter that would fill in in a situation like this, but he hasn't been good in his rehab assignment at all. And he's also dealing with some arm soreness now. So he might be gone for longer. Um, the other option that we talked about preseason coming up to fill in Ricky Tiedemann, he's injured now too. So the options just aren't there. And it's, you know, I don't think Manoa's toast in his career. He's never going to be a good pitcher again. Blue Jays fans have seen in the past, I mean, Roy Holiday had to go down and completely reinvent himself before he came up and became a Hall of Fame pitcher. These things happen. But the unfortunate thing for the Jays, and this is this has been kind of a reality through, throughout the entire competitive window with this uh, Ross Atkins front office, is the pitching depth just isn't good. There, there, there aren't arms in AAA that you can call up that it can get the job done. Like you look at Tampa, every single, every single pitcher in their rotation gets hurt throughout the course of a year. It just happens. And they have a whole starting rotation down in AAA that can get the job done at the big league level. And Jays just simply are not close to being there. So you have to keep throwing Alec Manoa out there, just like with Barrios, just like with Kikuchi last year, and just hope for the best. Hope he can be a number five starter at this point. How many times have us as a fan base sat here and watched some random team six starter come in and throw mid-90s with good off-speed stuff (laughs) to like five hits through seven innings or some bullshit, right? Like it happens. Uh, Manoa walked seven, like you said, in the game against the Yankees. Second time this year, he's walked more than five batters in a ball game. In the last two years combined, that only happened once. And it was in September when he kind of first got going back in 2021. He walked uh, six batters against the Rays one game and still managed to go six innings and only give up two hits. So it wasn't even a terrible start. He just got a little unlucky with a few walks. That like that Yankee start, actually, I think there's a case. It might be the worst start of his career when you consider the walks and the damage that was done. Yeah, you'd think so. I think when you put together all of the context, just how good he's been against New York, how he dominates right-handed hitters with sliders. We've seen so many times in the past that he, you know, rears back and strikes out Aaron Judge in a big situation. You know, Yankee Stadium, we've all seen the numbers. We've all seen the starts. Always does incredibly well. And then, you know, to come in at home and have that performance against a team that you've done really well against in the past. Yeah, it makes it really clear that something's not right. And you know, I, 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 I think at this point it might be advantageous for Manoa to take some time off and, you know, figure out what's up, try something different. I, again, like I said before, surely he can turn it around at some point, but it's not just going to be snap next start. He faces so-and-so team and just puts it all together. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but there's just nobody else. So here we are. Well, so let's say you want to skip him for a start and you want to whatever, do the arm shittiness thing and just be like, hey, like he's got something negative and we're going to sit him down for a bit. What is the play? Because you mentioned it. No arm in AAA is hear me out. What if you just went with Nate Pearson as an opener and said, hey, give us one run through the order. And if it's going well, maybe we give you a second run through the order. But like we're going to use Nate Pearson as our opener in that spot for two Manoa starts. Yeah, maybe you look at Buffalo and look for someone who can piggyback with yeah. with Pearson. Like you said, you try and get two, three innings out of Nate Pearson. If he can go through and do that, that's great. And then maybe you can have a Thomas Hatch or like a Trent Thornton do two or three innings. Like, I don't think you can rely on somebody from Buffalo right now coming up and giving you six 
solid innings, a quality start, but maybe you can mix a guy in with Pearson, but is he stretched out enough for that? He's looked quite good in those little one inning, you know, one innings plus one more guy, two more guys stints. So it's kind of like, can he stretch himself out? But at this point, it's probably worth a try because, you know, every time Alec Manoa goes out there, it seems like things are just getting worse and worse. And it really looks like he could use a moment here just to pause, look at what's happening and try something different. Are you saying you don't want to give this look to Drew Hutchinson? No, I don't. I don't. I I don't even want to do the mental gymnastics. Uh, Drew Hutchison is being added to the 40 man roster. Who are we getting rid of so that he can come up and allow six earned runs over four innings? I, I just don't even want to have that conversation. It's a damn shame. That's where we're at. There really should be better internal pitching options at this point. It's It's been a really big failure and a blind spot of this front office, something that's been really shocking given. And I mean, I understand it wasn't Ross Atkins running the show in Cleveland. Things are different. But when when the Cleveland guys came over, we all saw that that pitching staff in 2016, all these internally developed young pitchers that were so good. And it just hasn't happened here. You look um, you look at the starting rotation for for Toronto and it's pretty much all guys they acquired through trade or free agency. It's all money signings outside of Manoa. It's not there's 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 really been no development here. OK, so I'm just keeping track of things. Manoa struggling and Drew Hutchison with his 10.38 ERA <laughs> in the month of May is not. Yeah. All right. So, so we're moving on. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think they probably give Manoa one more go around here, but you're, I think it's getting to the point where it's almost unacceptable to keep throwing the guy out there. Well, you look at last year, like, look at how many, like, when did Kikuchi go into the bullpen last year? Like mid-August after they got Mitch White? Like, if they if they hand it on to some random guy that they signed in free agency um, for that long, like, how long are they going to let Manoa, who was a Cy Young finalist last year, go? They might just let it rip. I just think, and this is more of a take, I guess, than, like, a prediction, but, like, with Kikuchi... There was no, there was a long term investment because he signed him to a three year deal. You know what I mean? He's a veteran arm. It's just kind of like, meh, keep going out there and try to figure out your shit, man. With Manoa, I think there's a little bit of like a, you actually don't want to cause any like long term damage to the guy here. And we know he's an emotional pitcher. I would imagine this stretch has been very, very difficult on him. I think you need to handle him, not with kid gloves, but with a little bit more caution than you would have handled a Kikuchi, who again, like I, I think a guy who's been in the majors for as long as Kikuchi was and who has had enough success, you could just keep rolling him out there and be like, hey, it'll work itself out, whatever. Keep trying to get through this. With Manoa, I think you have to be at least a little cautious. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there there is a big picture thing here and he's still really young. I mean, this is a pitcher in his mid 20s. There's tons of guys who who get drafted and, and haven't even sniffed the major leagues by the time they're his age. So it is a bit of a different situation. And I'll be honest, I have no idea how they're going to handle this one. I don't really know what the right answer is, but I will say it's been it's been a, it's been unfortunate to watch. Alec Manoa was was so good when he came up and I do believe he can be good again. But it's unfortunate because he's a pitcher that a lot of the fan base definitely really fell in love with and enjoyed watching. So let's hope he gets back on track. Absolutely. Uh, for our second down, let's stick with game one. Is Aaron Judge cheating? Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're caught up on the drama. You don't need the big recap. Aaron Judge with the side eye. I was really surprised at how firm Dan and Buck were in their accusations. Like it wasn't, they weren't really 
beating around the bush in any way. Like they were being pretty direct in what they kind of thought was going on here. Um, in the moment, I was definitely fired up being like, this is bullshit. You look back on it, then you hear Jay Jackson come out and be like, yeah, I was tipping pitches. And then you watch the replay a couple of times and you're like, well, I mean, even if Aaron Judge didn't know that a hanging breaking ball was coming dead center, he usually handled those pitches pretty well anyways. I don't know. I don't know if they're cheating. I don't trust the Yankees, though, so that's why I think it's worth having the conversation, Coombsy. Yeah, I agree. I think the story here is less what Aaron Judge or the first base coach or the bench is doing in this situation, and the story is more Buck and Dan talking about it on the broadcast. I personally thought it was fine to bring up on the broadcast because... (coughs) Sorry. I thought they were just relaying us some information, and it was fairly noticeable that Aaron Judge was looking in a different direction when he was batting. Because when I was watching his at-bat, I saw him kind of doing something, and I thought, hey, that seems different. What's what's going on there? And then I thought Buck and, our, Buck and Dan did a, a, a nice job of explaining what was up. Though, like you said, it was really firm. Like, they really pushed it in the direction of being like, this ain't this 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 ain't normal like this this is weird and it, it got everybody all fired up and i mean yankees fans were livid oh, that yeah. that buck and dan would would suggest this kind of thing was going on they were freaking out some regional broadcast toronto broadcast that doesn't know anything about anything buck martinez who does color for world series games dan shulman who did sunday night baseball forever these guys don't know anything they're just weirdos from toronto but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, just 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 the reaction. Like, I don't know, if you're a Yankees fan, look at how mad you guys got about Houston. Like, everybody around baseball is paying attention to this stuff right now. And if you give anybody a reason to have a concern that you might be doing something, of course, everyone's going to talk about it. It's been a story in Major League Baseball for half a decade. It's It's been a huge talking point for years. And, like, the Yankees fans are a big reason for that, too, because... Yeah, for the Astros thing, like they haven't let it go. Like it, it gets talked about frequently. So like there's a there, there's definitely a reason why everyone's very interested in talking about it. I don't think it's something we should just all ignore. Also, uh, come up with a better excuse, Aaron Judge. Oh man, listen, I don't know if he's necessarily Boy. cheating, but the excuse of oh my dugout was chirping a lot and I was giving them the side eye to try <laughs> tell him to shut up is a terrible excuse in that situation. Why would you give a shit, Aaron Judge? Yeah, like, who cares? Like, you're, you're facing an American League East rival. You're not winning by that much. There, like, it, it was kind of funny that that Aaron Boone was getting so fired up about that that bad strike call that, that Jackson had received favorably. It was 6 nothing. So, I mean, yeah, you're winning sort of a lopsided game, but the Jays have come back from bigger deficits in the past. The Yankees' bullpen is fine, but it's not amazing right now. Like, I don't think it's insane for them to still be viewing this as a competitive game. So I don't know why Aaron Judge in the middle of his at-bat would be lecturing teammates with a side-eye. Like, is that how much you is that how much respect you command on the team that if you just look at somebody in the dugout, they're going to stop making fun of somebody else? Like, what are you what are, the, what are your teammates fucking 12? Like, it's it's just so obvious that it's not real. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but that being said, like, I, I have respect for Aaron Judge. He's a fantastic player and by all intents and purposes has comes across like a very good person. So. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say Aaron Judge is a cheater. The only reason he's any good is because he knows what pitch is coming. But hey, look, I don't know. There's been a lot of cheating going on in baseball. No one's no one's wrong for talking about this or thinking about it, being annoyed by it. Maybe I don't know. 
I don't, I, I, I don't blame um, Buck and Dan for talking about it. I don't blame Jays fans for being over this. Fuck the Yankees. I also just want to quickly add, if you were to take everyone who works in a major league baseball organization and line them up and we're like, Tyler, rank these people in the order you hate them. Aaron Boone is number one, and I'm not even sure if it's close. He gives off the biggest piss baby energy ever, and he does it all wearing that huge ass Rolex watch on the field. Like, what are you doing, man? You can take off the $20,000 watch while you manage a baseball game. Him complaining about that strike call and throwing his gum and his little tantrum running around. Oh, it's just the one word, man. It's piss baby. That's what he is. Yeah, he perfectly. Yeah, he he's the perfect manager for for that group, that fan base, that whole thing, whole yeah, thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, we're staying with our second down, and it's because the Aaron Judge thing that was cheating speculation. <laughs> Domingo German actually cheated in the ball game. Uh, the umpire saying, "quote It was the stickiest hand I've ever felt." Interesting quote. You can take it many different ways. Uh, but anyways, he was nails through three innings and then he gets the boot. And I know people were making a big deal about the substance on his pants. That was very clearly chewing tobacco. Um, but also the umpires aren't kicking this guy out for no reason. And two, this this has happened. This guy's done this in like recent starts before. I can't believe, honestly, considering that he's been kind of warned about this and forced to go wash his hands before. I'm surprised Major League Baseball only gave him 10 games. Yeah, and this also really validates kind of the whole thing we were just talking about. Yankees fans are like, oh, regional network saying the Yankees are cheating. Why are they making a story out of this? Rent free, blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, the next game, you guys come out and do this. Why do you think everyone's paying attention to what you guys are doing? Like, you know, your your mid back end rotation starter looks like an ace for a hot minute. And then, well, it turns out he's putting all of that sticky stuff on the ball to completely manipulate. And he just did this like two starts ago when he was uh, I think he was facing the Minnesota Twins and didn't get suspended for that one and then comes out and just does it again. So like uh, at the end of the day, it's not, you know, it's not banging the trash cans using the tech. It's not the same level of cheating, but it is, it is what it is. People are, are definitely justified in talking about this and the Yankees are justified in having that label. They, they do enough things well to win on their own merit that, I mean, I don't think it's, it's unreasonable for people to say like, you know, you guys are getting pushed over the top by things like this. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I'm done complaining about the Yankees. Yeah. Third down. Let's talk about our ball club, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I'll start with the runners in scoring position thing, Coombsy. Listen, game one, they put up four runs and they actually hit okay with runners in scoring position. They go four for eight. Game two, one for eight. Game three, a winning game, one for 17 against Garrett Cole. Game three, they only get three runners in scoring position, but they go 0 for 3. In the final three games of that series, you had 28 at-bats with runners in scoring position, and you got two hits. It's, listen, I know we expected this team to take a bit of a step back offensively this year when you trade a Gurriel and a Hernandez, and you know, then this isn't a knock on Kiermaier or Varsho fully, but... I think we kind of all expected this team wasn't going to be as dynamic at the plate or as deep and dangerous as they have been in past years. But this is like, we talk about Manoa being like unacceptable. The fact that they just keep running out the same crew here. I like the piece that was up at our website. That was, you know, it might be time to send Kevin Biggio down to triple a. 
I think you almost just need to send a message to this clubhouse that like, hey, what's going on right now can't keep happening. And if results don't turn around, more guys are going down. Yeah, this has been a thing that's stretched on even beyond the Yankees series. It's been a pretty much a whole month of May thing. Josh Goldberg on Twitter pointed out there's a handful of guys who are really not producing much over the month. George Springer has a 611 OPS in May. And bear in mind, like we should preface this with being that 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 flu bug is going through the locker room and it has been going on for like a week ish. had a, had effects on the team during the Yankees series did before that as well. But I mean, uh, Matt Chapman now after that amazing start to the season is down to a 517 OPS for May. Whit Merrifield after his, you know, 25 games or whatever it was getting on base to kick off the year 516 OPS in May. Alejandro Kirk comes into the season being the starting catcher. Uh, he's got a 417 OPS. Kevin Biggio, you just mentioned 411 OPS, just looks like completely hopeless at the plate and can't even pinch run properly. Uh, Santiago Espinal, same thing, like usually sure-handed defensively, looks lost in the field now, completely lost offensively, grounds into that double play when he's pinch hitting. Just the first pitch, Blue Jays will have a rally, comes up right into the ground, three uh, 392 OPS for the month of May. So yeah, it'd be nice if the Jays could reach into AAA Buffalo and pull somebody up. But as it is with the pitchers, I think there's only like one or two guys, Spencer Horowitz, um, maybe Addison Barger. There just really aren't that many big names down there that that you could look at and think, hey, is somebody going to come up and make a difference? But yeah, the, the 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 offense just doesn't have the same depth that it used to in the past. And I think you notice now when a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's dealing with what is it, a knee a knee issue? Um, misses a couple games in the lineup without him just looks completely toast. So yeah, this might be something um, for the past few years. The, the, the question leading into the trade deadline was how are we going to fix the pitching? How are we going to fix the bullpen this year? It looks like they need a big bat in the middle ish of the lineup. Someone to bat like, you know, fifth or sixth that can, that can do something because right now just looks like a middle of the pack group offensively. You mentioned the Alejandro Kirk grounding into a double play. How about in game one of the series when George Springer gets on Bo Bichette fielding air and it's like, okay, tying runs coming to the plate. Of course, it was supposed to be Vladdy's spot that was there. They're forced to put in Santiago Espinal. Santiago Espinal at this point last season was one of the best stories in all of baseball. All-star. He was an all-star. <laughs> and he takes the first pitch he sees and just a tailor-made weak sauce double play ball to the left side of the infield. Like, out of him and Kirk, man, like again, all stars last year, predominantly because of what they were doing with their bats. And this year they're bordering on unplayable and Kirk. He's starting, I think, to go in the right direction here. Like he got two hits in the third game of that series. Like he's maybe starting to piece things together. Espinal is man getting into the same conversation as Kevin Biggio, where it's like, you can't put him out there. Why he would get any playing time above Whitmerfield other than, Resting Merrifield or resting other players is beyond me. Like, be it, you have two black holes on your twenty-five man or on your twenty-six man roster right now. Yeah, it goes. It goes back to the conversation we just had about pitching, and the reality is, and I'm not going to say the Jays haven't developed any talent because that's really disingenuous. They have, you know, Vladdy's there, Bo's there, Alec Manoa's there. There's, there's a, there's, there's, there's been pin, plenty of um, internal development on the roster. They've turned around 
quite a few good prospects. But what they're lacking, the teams like, especially the, the Rays, now Baltimore, like teams like that have is there's there's always somebody, it seems, in AAA that's just kicking the door down, demanding an opportunity so that whatever shitty player you have on your roster that's playing a little bit too much and not getting the job done, there's someone behind them pushing. And it doesn't really feel like there is that right now for the Jays. So we're in kind of a rough spot. The team's in a bit of a lull. They're dealing with that flu they're probably just going to have to grind and get through it. And it's really bad timing because now it's Baltimore and then it's Tampa. These are really, really, really important games. These are September games in May, man. Hey, losing three or four to the Yankees now hurts just as much as losing three of the four, three or four to the Yankees in August or September or whenever. Uh, just to put a bow on the runners and scoring position thing, it's not recency bias or anything like that. On the season as a whole, the Jays are 20th. Sorry, tied for 19th in uh, batting average with runners in scoring position, and they are 18th in OPS with runners in scoring position. It's just flat out not been good enough, and I and I think it's time for them to make some sort of a shakeup. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, it was good to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. though at least get an AB in the mm-hmm. finale. So it seems like it's not going to be anything too crazy. Vladdy just been such a constant over the last couple of years. A guy who, I mean, knock on wood, even though the desk I'm sitting in front of his glass, he's been so healthy through his career. And I feel like this was a nice reminder that we cannot take Vladdy's health for granted. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like um, he went the first few years of his career missing hardly any games comes up a few months into his rookie season, 123 games, 60 games in the COVID year. So every single game, 2021, 161 last year, 160 games. I mean, it's ridiculous that this guy just goes on the field day after day after day. And that's something we have to think about whenever he doesn't have the performance offensively we want. Oh, you know, Vladdy's not producing a 1000 OPS. He's, he's struck out a few more times than he's walked. This guy plays every single day, man. He's been playing every single day for years. And whenever he is gone, the lineup looks nothing like what it looks like when he's there. And, and it honestly does feel now that he's missed a few games in this past few weeks, he might be someone that uh, we as fans, we have observers have kind of taken for granted. Yeah, Totally. Um, just before we get to our ups for the series, Coombsy, uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith writing a piece at Sportsnet this morning. One, he points out that Kevin Biggio is striking out 37.9% of the time. Not is ideal. That good? <laughs> no. Uh, but then he goes on to add in this piece, um, deals are rarely completed so early in the season, but the Blue Jays are mapping out targets, if nothing else. Speculatively, the left-handed hitting Jock Peterson of the Giants and the right-handed hitting Brent Rooker of the A's look like intriguing possibilities to consider. The Jock Peterson one is something I'm interested at just right off the bat here because you could play him in the outfield. You could DH him, do whatever. You could slide Whit Merrifield to a more permanent infield spot, and it might actually solve a good chunk of your problems here. Yeah, the Jays really do need a big bat somewhere in that lineup, and Jock Peterson's a guy who's... You know, he's 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 probably more of a platoon guy at this point. Um, left-handed bat that I probably wouldn't be going and tossing out against lefties, but he's a guy who's gotten the job done. He's uh, throughout his career, he's hit a lot of huge home runs. Think about um, all those years with the LA Dodgers, all those deep playoff runs they went on. The he was one of those really random acquisitions that Alex Anthopoulos made um, during 2021 with all those guys that got hot in the playoffs, and he's been quite good since joining the Giants. He had an 8874 OPS last season, was an All Star. He's at an 8.44 OPS this year, has five dingers. I mean, the Jays look like they just need another bat. And like I said, doesn't look like a hero is coming up from Buffalo. So 
Um, big trade around the corner? Probably not, but maybe in June we can start talking about it happening because a few years ago it was June where they pulled the trigger on the Adam Simber and Trevor Richards deals. So it's not totally impossible, but I'd, I'd be shocked if it happened in May. But I think in June we can start thinking, you know, if the Jays overpay a little bit, they can probably get themselves a bat. And I, I think the it'll be how much they want to overpay because if you want to swing a deal early in the season, if you want to beat the trade deadline rush, teams are going to want you to pay for it. So um, that's, again, a conversation for a different day. Let's get to our three up from this series because we just spent 27 <laughs> minutes talking about negatives. Uh, Chris Bassett, the Hound Dog, 27 straight scoreless innings. If you would have told me when that guy was getting lit up in his first two starts that he would at one point throw 27 straight scoreless innings, all while using his own pitch com, which we thought was a massive issue. Um, I wouldn't have believed you, quite frankly. His ERA now down to 3.05. And I love, I mean, that play he made when Belt kind of didn't handle a spinner and then he jumps and tags him. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, he's endearing himself to the fan base a little bit. And more importantly, he's giving the Blue Jays quality starts at a point when they desperately need it. Yeah, Bassett's been like <clears throat> the MVP for the month of May. We talked about all those hitters who were struggling. I mean, um, Bassett comes in against Pittsburgh, gives them seven innings. They badly needed that. Then against Atlanta, the complete game shutout, the first one we've seen in nearly a decade. And then against the Yankees. I mean, if not for that start, we're probably looking at the Jays um, suffering a four-game sweep at home to New York, if not for Chris Bassett coming out while he's very visibly sick. Like there was a few times they zoomed in on his face during that start and he just looked like shit. Like he looked like he wanted to be in bed. And I was like, man, I can feel your pain. This looks really hard. And he just kept grinding, kept getting the job done. And like you mentioned, that defensive play when Brandon Belt messed up there in the ninth inning, after all of that grind, or in the seventh inning, sorry, after all of that grind, when you're when you're not feeling your best to, to jump there and make the play is really spectacular. So it's not even the end of the month, but I'm already very willing to give Chris Bassett the MVP for the month of May. Yeah, man. I mean, he didn't allow a run in his last three starts. And in two of them, the team only put up three. Like, if it's not for Chris Bassett, this team does not sweep Atlanta and this team gets swept by the New York Yankees. So he's without a doubt their MVP for the month. And that's still with 11 days to go. His next start is going to come against the Tampa Bay Rays on the road. So oh it will be a big one for Chris Bassett. Another huge one. Yeah. Um, Chris Bassett was great. And also... I mean, Jose Barrios was solid too. Like Bassett did everything he could to help the Jays get a win. I, Jose Barrios did enough for the Jays to win. They just needed their bats to come through. Uh, I liked what I saw from him there in a tough matchup. Yeah, you really can't complain about the start that Jose Barrios had at all. He goes uh, six and two thirds, allows three earned runs. So a quality start, six hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. I mean, yeah, I mean, outside of the first couple starts, he had bad start in Kansas City, bad start against the Angels. Outside of that, it's been what, like five out of seven starts, quality starts. I think five out of seven starts is only allowed uh, more than two runs two or three times. Um, really positive stuff. Uh, there, there was a point at the beginning of the season after those those two rough outings, Kansas City and Anaheim, where we were like, oh, what do you do here? Like, <laughs> you think about making this guy a reliever. Is this going to be your long guy that you need in the bullpen? Like, maybe he could find better stuff for one inning. And then now it looks like he's he, he looks a lot more like the pitcher he was that the, the Jays traded for in 2021. And that's incredibly important because, you know, as we talked about earlier, if Alec Manoa is is going to slide from being an ace and number two 
down to being a number five quad A level starter this year, then they badly need um, Jose Barrios, who wasn't good last year, to turn things around. And I mean, thank goodness for that. Let's 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 hope it continues because if Jose Barrios starts stops pitching like the way he has in the past little bit and goes back to last year Barrios with the other problems they have, then things are going to go south quickly. So Jose Barrios is definitely a huge key for this season. On the season as a whole, 4.61 ERA. But if you take out those first two games when he got lit up, he's been very good for this team since then. In his seven starts since, 3.14 ERA, 43 innings, and he struck out 40 batters in that span, only walking nine as well, which is something that's obviously important when we're having the Barrios conversation. So it's nice to see him get rolling or continue rolling, I should say, because the last seven starts, no complaints about Barrios. Uh, like we talked about Kirk and Espinal and Biggio and all these guys that are struggling. Danny Jansen's also struggling, but he came up with a huge at bat for this team. And he's done it a couple of times now, two walk-offs in four days at that point for Jansen as he absolutely murdered that baseball in extra innings to give the Jays the win. He's only batting 190 on the year. And even when you look recently, he's not hitting that well, but he's been Mr. Clutch and he's a fun guy to root for as well. Someone who's been around and doesn't get the fanfare that, you know, the big names on this team gets, but just kind of always quietly goes about his work, plays an important position. Obviously my point is, I I love seeing Danny Jansen do good things. Like he's a, he's a fun guy to root for. It feels like he only has a handful of hits this season and every single one of them is like a late inning home run that either puts them ahead or ties the game. I remember he had that one uh, big one in Yankee Stadium a few weeks ago, uh, right after Jimmy Garcia had allowed a home run. They wound up losing that game. And then, of course, uh, Jansen with two walk-off hits. What is it, in four days? It was the walk-off single as well and then the walk-off home run. Yeah, no different than the Chris Bassett thing, man. Like they badly needed that 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 game really could have um, turned into a, a real heartbreaker. Imagine having Chris Bassett go nine innings, shut out, and you wind up losing. That that would be yep. that'd be horrific. So good thing Danny Jansen came through for them. So we are not sitting here having the most negative and depressing podcast ever. Also, uh, shout out to Tim Meza, who uh, when he came on with one guy on, then walked to the bases loaded, and they oh, got himself out of the jam. I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's lots of lots of lots of random clutch in that game that the Jays desperately needed. And also Bassett didn't go nine innings in that game. I'm still thinking about Atlanta. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Also, shout out to Jordan Romano, who goes two innings in the victory as well. He was excellent for the Jays. And it was nice to see him get some work in because they haven't been using him a lot recently. Uh, All right. Coomzy, that's it for our three up, three down. Let's just flush that series right down the drain. And uh, let's take a look ahead. But first, we'll stop for a quick break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, Cam. Uh... Let's start with a quick look around the American League East. Tampa Bay is playing Milwaukee. The Yankees now get to go play Cincinnati. Boston plays San Diego as well. Listen, on one hand, if you would have told me, like, hey, the Jays are going to get off to a 25-19 and 19 start this year, I probably would have taken that if you would have told me that on opening day. Um, but still, to see them now tied with the Yankees for third in the AL East and be already six and a half back of the Tampa Bay Rays, it's kind of like, I mean, they're also three back of the Orioles, which puts a lot more emphasis on this weekend series. Yeah, this is like I said before, these are these are series in May that are essentially series in September. The Jays are now going to go and play the Orioles for the first time this season. Baltimore's 28 and 16. They're only three and a half games back of the division. If and then right after the Baltimore series, like <clears throat> the Jays are heading down to Tampa to play four with the Rays and we all know how good the Rays are. So there's seven games here right after that four game set with New York that these are huge. Like, I think that the result in these next seven, and I guess if you if you kind of put it all together, this 11-game stretch against the Yankees, the Orioles, and the Rays, if you put it all together, then I think it's going to play a pretty big role in where the Jays are at the end of the season in the American League East. If they can only go into Baltimore, you know, if they go into Baltimore and get swept, they go into Baltimore and win one, and then they go into Tampa and win one, then all of a sudden you're probably in last place in the American League East heading into June, and you're probably what are you going to be like nine or 10 games back of the Rays at that point? That's pretty much where you were at last year with New York. And it was virtually impossible to catch up to them, barring you having that run in the second half that they had in the first or them completely imploding. So these games are huge. The Jays really need to get past whatever was ailing them in that New York series and find a different gear against Baltimore because you do not want to go (laughs) into Camden Yards and lose two of three or get swept or something like that. Well, and also if you're sitting here going, ah, we just got to wait for the schedule to get easy. I mean, don't hold your breath because it's Baltimore, Tampa, Division-leading Twins, division-leading Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Mets, who are starting to put things together a little bit at least. I, they've won two in a row. They're five and five in their last fine. Game. Yeah, they're fine. Houston Astros, always a struggle. Good. Play Minnesota again. Play Baltimore again. Then you get the Texas Rangers, who are getting Corey Seager and Jacob DeGrom back by that point. So they ex- won't be exactly a pushover, also leading their division. Um, then you get Miami and Oakland. So, like, I mean, you got to go a full month here of playing nothing but good teams before you get a little bit of a, in air quotes, break. What What is the schedule for the Jays then, like, in the latter part of the season? Like, <laughs> how many good teams are there that they're playing? Like, when when does this let up? Like, because even if you look, the, the very end of the season here in September is, is a grind. They have, uh, starting from mid-September, they finish things off with Texas, four games that, uh, against the Rangers. 
three against Boston, three in New York, three in Tampa, three against New York and Toronto, and three against Tampa at home. Like, <laughs> when does the schedule calm down? Even to finish the year, it's hard. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, like around the trade deadline, you get the Red Sox, White Sox, Tigers, and then post-deadline, you get the Arizona Diamondbacks. But they're six games above, <laughs> above 500 right now, so that's not even a break. Um, Who's yeah. bad? Is like, is it just Oakland, Kansas City? Like, who else is bad? I guess a lot of the bad teams are in the National League. Like, the American League is... Um, it's competitive. Yeah, you go Yeah, go up and down. Like, Tampa's great. Baltimore's having a breakout year. The Yankees are good. The Rangers are having a breakout year. The Jays are good. Boston looks like a playoff team. The Twins apparently are a playoff team. The Astros, you know, we all know they're good. Even the Angels are still above 500. Seattle's underachieving a bit, but they're still 21 and 22. Cleveland was a playoff team last year. They're 20 and 23. Um, you know, the what are the four bad teams here? Just the Tigers, White Sox, <laughs> Royals, and Oakland. Like, that's all there really is. So if that's the case, the Jays have have to win these head-to-heads they have to do good against the good teams you can't just sit there and always wait for you know there's not going to be 70 games against oakland down the stretch that you're guaranteed to win it's it's going to be a pretty much a never-ending grind i found the easy stretch of the schedule yeah starting on august 18th they play cincy three times so it's in cincy so joey Votto's return to cincinnati will be uh that weekend and then they, they do have <laughs> They go Baltimore next, but then after that, it's Cleveland, Washington, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City. Okay. There's your stretch. They have to win every single one of those games. They have to go, what would that be? Like 14, 15 and 0? That's what they have to do. There, I will fla- we'll flash forward quickly to our podcast on uh, August 25th, right before that Cleveland series. We'll be having one of two conversations. It'll either be all right, this is the chance for the Jays to get right in the mix for top spot in the division and like cement themselves as a playoff team. Or there is a possibility we're sitting here going, they need to go 10 and two over this stretch to get back into the playoff picture. I having the first conversation, not the second conversation. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's an ugly one to think about. And if they're going to be in that situation, it's probably because they went like one in six against Baltimore and Tampa right here, putting them at like, what would that be then two and nine for the stretch against the Yankees, Orioles and Tampa. So it's happening here, man. They got to get the job done. This is, this is crunch time in May. Kikuchi versus Kyle Gibson, Manoa versus Grayson Rodriguez and Kevin Gosman against Dean Kramer. Uh, An interesting trio of pitchers who have not been great this season for Baltimore. It's at the dome. You got Manoa and Guy, I shouldn't even include Manoa. You got Gosman pitching in one of the games and, you know, Kikuchi, I guess. The point is, you're not going up against great arms here, so there is a chance for the Jays to get things back on track. There is. This is this this looks like it's going to be a really high-scoring series. You have Kikuchi, and unfortunately, I have to put Manoa in this category, given the way the season's gone. Two very unpredictable starters who could easily allow a whole bunch of runs. Gosman, you'd like to think, um, in the finale game there, he can, you know, toss a gem in against his old team, but Gosman also did get lit up by the Orioles last year. So who knows? Um, yeah, like I said, this is going to be a really high scoring series. The Orioles hit the ball very, very, very well. This is a really deep lineup. One that looks like it looks like a new version of what the Orioles used to be back in 2014, 15 and 16 with those big bats in the middle of the lineup. You had Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo and Manny Machado and 
it was always it was always worrying going up against them because it seemed like everyone in their lineup could get on base or hit a home run. And that's where the Orioles are back now. It's been a long, winding, shitty road for them, but they look like a good team. They they look like they're here to compete. And these are no longer the trash birds that the Blue Jays beat up on in 2021. This is a competitive team that very easily could finish ahead of them in the standings. Very easily you know, could be a reason that the Jays aren't hosting a playoff game or like you said earlier, maybe they aren't even in the mix. Good Lord. Oy. Never uh, easy. <laughs> they may not be the trash birds of old, but here is to uh, hoping we can still use the trash birds meme. Um, Blue Jays, so- Blue Jays nation socials. Hmm? I'm going to say I, I, I will not post that thing until Sunday. That's my rule this weekend. I won't post it until Sunday because I don't want some, you know, third inning in game one. The Blue Jays hit a home run and I'm posting that and then I'm getting dunked on all weekend because Alec Manoa allows nine runs in three innings. Oh, man. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, long weekend in Canada as well. Uh, so giddy up. What a weekend it would be for the Jays to deliver on home field. Uh, Coombsy, we'll chat with you after this series on Sunday or Monday. Best wishes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.